0: Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, Episode 16. Welcome to the show. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly show I launched to be a resource for anybody who is trying to build up a remote income while traveling full-time. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing a guy named David Risley, who is the founder of blogmarketingacademy.com. David spends around three months per year traveling around the country with his family in their RV, so he's not quite full-time yet. But he's been building up blogs for almost 20 years, which is a really long time in the internet world. And the reason why I asked David to be on the podcast today, even though he's not technically a full-time RV entrepreneur yet, he's just a part-time RV entrepreneur, (laughs) was because one of the things that comes up the most when talking to people about how to make an income on the road is this question comes up. I get asked this quite a bit. How can you start earning money from a blog? And I've been pretty open about the fact that I don't have a huge revenue generator blog at this point. I would love that but I'm not quite there yet. And the reason why is, or at least one of the reasons why, is making a blog become profitable is not incredibly easy. It's pretty difficult, actually. But David actually grew his first blog up to a -a six-figure-a-year business, sold it, and then started another one that is geared towards helping people turn their blog into something that generates full-time income for them. So I figured if there was a good person to talk to about how to earn income from a blog, it's not me. It's David. So today, we're going to dig into some of the tips that he has for anybody who wants to try to build up a niche blog or something that you can actually turn into your full-time gig. Today's show is sponsored by Cobb Grill. Our Cobb Grill is literally the most delicious thing to happen in my life since Alyssa started making me pulled pork baked potatoes, but seriously. (laughs) We got our new Cobb Grill a couple weeks ago, and it's essentially a miniature and a cheaper version of one of the green eggs that have been pretty popular. And I love our Cobb grill for a couple reasons. Reason number one, it cooks more than just steaks and burgers. I love pizza, and we grilled a pizza on it, and it was absolutely delicious. And you can also bake cakes on it, Alyssa. If you're listening to this, you know that my favorite cake right now is red velvet. Reason number two, it's the perfect size for storing in our under storage in our RV, and it weighs less than 20 pounds. Plus, it emits no heat on the outside of the grill. So if you're grilling and it starts raining suddenly, you can literally pick up your grill and move. It is awesome grill for RVers and campers. So if you want to learn more about the Cobb grill, go to cobbgrillamerica.com and use the discount code heathpaget15 to get a 15% discount off on your purchase. All right, let's get into the show today with David. All right, we're live. David, thanks for joining me on the show, man.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, I appreciate your patience uh, for those of you listening I've been hauling David around via my, my headset for the past 15 minutes because <laughs> the last podcast that I recorded, I did it from our RV at the RV park and it just was not, it would not fly because uh, the Wi-Fi wasn't good enough and so I'm sitting outside, it's the first time to do a podcast outside, so I appreciate you being cool with me as I, yeah, as I no literally problem. haul you around on my, on my Skype.
1: Not a problem.
0: So David, you've been doing this whole internet entrepreneur thing for over the past 15 years. You and your family have an RV. You don't live in it full time, but you guys do travel in it. But you do have a business that you can run from anywhere. So can you kind of tell me the 30,000 foot overview of what you've been doing for the past 15 years and where you are now?
1: Yeah, well, I got started, it's actually been a little over 15 years now, surprisingly to me. It's been uh, since 1998 when I got started in this whole thing. And I got started as a technology blogger. I just decided to start this blog about geeky stuff uh, back when the Internet was much younger. And I started it out as a complete hobby um, not thinking that that was ultimately going to lead to what I end up doing for a living, but uh, you know, over the course of the next decade, it actually did turn into uh, not only a full-time business, but one that was bringing in you know six figures a year all by itself. And and so obviously that shaped where I'm heading. You know, today Uh, in 2008, decided I wanted to branch out a little bit and stop talking about only computers. And so I started what became uh, the Blog Marketing Academy uh, at BlogMarketingAcademy.com. It was just my name, DavidRisley.com, at the time. And but it gave me an outlet to talk about blogging and online marketing and basically building an online portable business, which is what I had already done with that technology site. And then, you know, bring it up forward to 2016, I'm kind of doing it again. I started completely and totally as a hobby, an RV blog at rvfamilytravel.com. So that's kind of, and this is only really the third one that I've started (laughs) is RV Family Travel. I, I guess I'm the kind that tries to build them big when I do it. I don't start a ton of these things, but... But that's that's basically that's the thing. I've been doing online business since nineteen
0: ninety eight. Dang. So you you jumped in at the early stone age where people were still having conversations that sounded like, What is the
1: internet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it was I think, I mean, honestly, it probably did help me grow that size, the fact that there just weren't that many of them uh, back then, especially with talking about computers and things like that. I mean, there were a lot of people still figuring out the basics and how things worked. And at the time, most of the technology stuff online was very, very geeky. You know, people in Usenet news groups and stuff like that, and they were the uber nerds. And, you know, so I came in there with like more of a plain English perspective, and I ended up you know setting up shop that way and it worked out really well.
0: And what did you end up doing with that tech blog?
1: Uh late 2014 I sold it to somebody else. Actually somebody who had been reading the site for multiple years and I was just looking for an out. I probably should have sold it 2 or 3 years earlier cuz I I had gotten bored with it to be honest.
0: Yeah, is that a common thing that blogs can get sold? I've heard about that in just different situations, but Everybody has a blog, and a lot of the people that have reached out to me uh, who are thinking about hitting the road, the first thing that they should do, that they say they're going to do, is start a blog, which I think is great because if you're traveling around, Uh, It's one of those, it's hard to lose situations except for your time, because Mm -hmm. you can document your travels, you can connect with other people on the road. I think that's one of the best things about having a blog is all the people that you can meet because you're putting out this information saying, hey, this is where I am, this is what I'm doing, this is why. And you can bring other people who think similar and have similar beliefs and aspire to do similar things, and at the very least, even if you never monetize, you can make a lot of friends and build a community through that, which I've seen has been an amazing kind of side benefit that I never expected from having a blog. But a lot of people expect to be able to monetize, and it's a really difficult thing to do, and that's what you help people do through Blog Marketing Academy, right?
1: That's right. I basically come into it with that site from a business perspective. Um, And so, you know, most blogs out there in the Internet have started primarily for fun and as a hobby. And that's great. And I take absolutely nothing away from that. Um, I come into it with the perspective of a business ambition. So I I even evaluate the, uh, the setup of the blog and the topic of it based on whether it has any business aim to it or not.
0: And by business aim, you mean, is there enough value that could be provided to people that there could be a monetization strategy? And if not, then there is no business or...
1: Yeah, I mean, when you really get right down to it, any business is designed to solve somebody's problem. um, And they're looking to make some, what what I often call a transformation, where they're taking their present reality, which is something that they're generally not happy with. And this is all in context of a particular area of their life, not their whole thing. Um, And they're looking to make some transition into something else. It's like a before and an after state. And so what I look for is whether there is that before and after state and is it one that has potential legs to it as a business and, and can the person who's looking to do it deliver on it i mean i, I could never go into a medical field because i don't know the first thing about it but you know it, so it all comes down to, to to who we are
0: and most of the people that you work with is it just uh like give me some of the examples of people that you've helped to create profitable blogs
1: well, I, I have had people who are in various aspects of making money, but not marketing. So I've got a guy in the Forex trading space, which I know nothing about at all. I've got, I've got, well, I've got one guy who's in the uh, teaching blues guitar uh, and believe it or not, he's not even based in the United States. He's based over in Europe and he's teaching in German <laughs> oh, wow. and he's actually making this thing work. And I like—I I love that. I've, I've got, uh, one lady who, uh, is teaching organic chemistry and helping people pass the exams for that. Uh, so I, I've gotten them all over the place. Obviously with what I do, I do get a lot of people who think that you have to talk about making money online, which is not true at all. But because of that, I do get people coming in with that kind of ambition. I usually have to disabuse them of the idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I, I'm all about people being able to build up profitable blogs, but I've seen very few people who have done it in a super, super well to an extent where they don't seem sleazy as soon as you look at them. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, a lot of the people who you look at that have a blog centralized around earning an income and making money, they end up looking like 99% of them. But I guess that's true in every business. If you look at a lot of different businesses, most of them aren't uber successful. There's only a few that can be really successful. And so some people have actually built up really great online brands and created a lot of trust with people and really do provide a lot of value to their lives in those areas. And you just have to get through all the noise, for lack of better words, to find those people who really do provide that value.
1: Yeah, you can kind of tell. I mean, there's a lot. There's people out there who are providing a lot of value for free. And, and I think another good indicator is if one is out there bragging about how much money they make, they're probably not <laughs> doing as well as you think they are. It's you know, it's kind of like the, there are so many people out there. Um, I've met several who are doing really well online, but you would never think so because they're not out there talking about it openly.
0: Totally. So you're not a fan of the open income statements?
1: I'm not. Um, I mean, I, I know, uh, I mean, I, I got a couple of names off the top of my head who do them and I know them and they're very honest people. So I'm not going to make a, a, a blanket statement here that says anybody doing income reports has got a problem. <laughs> but that being said, um, I I don't do it for that reason. It's just like it's that's between me and my wife and the IRS. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And sometimes just you and your wife. Kidding, IRS. Kidding, <laughs> kidding. What does your days look like right now? And in the way that you run your business, and how has that changed? Are the things that you were doing in your business 15 years ago, or in 1998 when you started, are those as important as you know the way you're running your business right now?
1: It's a little different now, mainly because uh, you know, even though I'm not traveling in the RV full time, I that is a big part of my life. So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm out, I, I, I design my business in such a way that it empowers the lifestyle that I want, and even if I'm not out in the RV doing that, I still want to be able to have that flexibility of not working when I don't feel like it, you know, if, if I want to just as something as simple as go for a walk around the neighborhood, I want to be able to not feel like I've got a deadline attached to that. So the business has changed in the fact that I've gotten a little bit more um, strategic about how I spend my time. I don't blog nearly as often as I used to. With the tech side, especially, it was very news oriented. So there was this pressure to constantly be posting new things. Uh, With what I do now, it's, it's maybe once a week. I, I, I make longer posts, but not as often. And it's just a lot simpler for me.
0: And so what was the draw for you guys to actually just buy an RV and start traveling around in it?
1: Well, I've been around RVs most of my life. When I was a kid, my we had them, and my my dad, and, you know, we had three or four of them. So, you know, it's one of those things to where I, I was definitely exposed to it as a kid. Then I went off and went to college and everything, and it wasn't a big part of my life for a while, but I knew that it was eventually going to be. Um, and it was, what was it, late 2013 where we bought our first one? and use the heck out of that thing. And then we actually just recently upgraded to a a much nicer one. So it's, I mean, the motivation was that I was exposed to that kind of life when I was a kid. I just love the fact that you can bring your stuff with you and go anywhere you want. And it, it, I mean, if we've got two kids in school right now, probably if it wasn't for that, we probably, I, I would be pushing my wife more to go full time.
0: Yeah, it's it's always interesting to hear, you know, who does and who doesn't want to go full time because there's always that awkward conversation to have with the other person.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> we, yeah, we've definitely talked about it, um, but you know, we've we've got these. Well, they're not anchors. It's at the end of the day, an anchor is basically—it's only an anchor if you consider it to be one. But at the same time, we—we, we, you know, we got two kids in a school that if we took them out, we'd have to go through a bunch of stuff to get them back in. It's a charter school, so there's—they've got a lottery and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we do have a house here, which we'd have to figure out what to deal with. So, you know, if, if we were going to go full time, it would be a ramp up phase. It would not be an instantaneous decision.
0: And h- how often have you guys, you know, just? been out on the road traveling in the RV and are you working on those days or is it typically just a weekend kind of getaway trip
1: during the uh, school year most of them tend to be more weekend trips so I'll I'll just I'll just clock out and not even worry about it I'll just you know go do what I do Um, we do a lot of traveling in the summer like this coming summer we're going to be taking off for about a month and a half um and we did we went out for four weeks last summer i when you add it all up i'm probably in it for almost three months out of the year it's just not all in one you know one trip
0: yeah that makes sense yeah i want to i want to drill into your expertise in helping people build profitable blogs because that's what you've been doing for so long and a lot of people want to know how to do that heck i want to figure out how to make more (laughs) income through my blog in a way that, you know, aligns with the way that I want to live my life. I think it's I think it's important to be intentional about a lot of these things when you're first getting started and know the motives going into it. Because for me, I didn't have a particular interest in building up a niche site in just RVing. I had no interest in, in doing that. And the more that we traveled in an RV, the more we blogged about the crazy stuff that was happening to us on the road and the more people I met who were doing it and I just started getting more and more deeper into it. and before I knew it I had a podcast called the RV entrepreneur and that's like all that's a huge part of my life and I love it but for the longest time I struggled to say like I don't want to be part of I just don't want to be known as just a guy in an RV you know I want to be able to start a business and all this other stuff right I'm sure you get that a lot people who were worried about Nishing down too much to start a blog.
1: Even me, I mean, I mean, my, the blog marketing academy used to be David Risley and I was like, I don't want to be the blog marketing guy and that's all I ever talk about because I'm not unidimensional. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense.
0: And th- but then what happens whenever you do niche down? People, people pay attention because you'd rather personally, if I was going to hire somebody I would want to hire somebody who is awesome at one thing instead of just uh, you know a jack of all trades, especially when it comes to you're helping me get from point A to point B in something. So sure. So, so let's talk about some of the different ways that people could potentially monetize if they are specifically somebody who wants to live in an R V and travel around the country or the world, you know, you can travel in different parts of the world too. So let's talk about that. You know, what does it look like to build up a successful blog? As you're traveling around the country, because it doesn't necessarily have to be a travel-centric blog; it can just be a blog that you're running from anywhere.
1: I sure. Suppose. Well, yeah. I think the I think the first thing to keep in mind is kind of what I mentioned earlier is, is the basic topic of the blog to begin with. Um, that before and after state that I talked about I view is pretty important because when you have an audience of people that you're bringing to the table who are looking to accomplish something, and then you're you're not having to create. Uh, that desire, it's kind of built into them, and all you're doing is facilitating it, that's really where it's a lot easier to do. And so typically the blogs that are harder to monetize are the ones where the people that are there are not really looking to accomplish anything in particular. They're just kind of there for entertainment value. Um, You know, political sites, news sites, sports sites, in some cases, they tend to be a little harder to work with, mainly because they're just there as general interest consumers, not necessarily trying to do anything. And so, probably one of the biggest things, we, we could talk about various monetization methods, but I think at the core, if you're attracting an audience that's looking to do something, and, and get something done, and get some type of an outcome, your life is going to be a lot simpler.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's intimidating, though. So, say, for example, the RV market. If you are somebody who has been living in RV for several years and you built up a business that you were able to take on the road, and a lot of people looked at that and said, hey, I'm trying to figure out that myself. Well, there's a million different routes to building up uh, some type of remote income that you could go take out on the road and live in an RV. I mean, there really are. It's like asking, how how do you make money outside of a nine to five job? And so how do you facilitate that type of transition for people? for example in this one space I'm sure it's like it for other people as well but So
1: you're you're asking if if they started a site that's not necessarily about that transformation but how to get them to transition into one
0: Right well I'm just trying to use an example for people to kind of better understand this so say for example my audience a lot of people who are part of the Facebook group make money in RV which sounds super sleazy but I promise it's more <laughs> it's more just about people who are young and not retired and just trying to figure out a way to build up a remote income while they're traveling. It's an awesome group. Uh, but, yeah. a, but like 75% of those people are people who are just still in the planning stages, trying to figure it out. So they're in there for community and to talk to other people and figure out how are other people building up an income. Right. And so there's this transition that should be and could be happening. And I would love to help be more of a facilitator and help that void but there's just so many different ways to helping fill that void. And that's why I started the podcast, to be honest, because I can bring on different people who have taken all these different tracks and somebody can be listening to this and saying, oh, that's not for me. I don't want to be an adventure photographer, but I love writing. I could potentially start a blog and yeah. monetize that. Does that make sense?
1: It does. I mean, the thing about what you are doing, and I think it it works in the RV market and what, well, I don't even know if I'd call it the RV market. I mean, it's it. We're we're kind of what brings us together is the RVs and the traveling that type of thing. But what you're really talking about is that transformation between not being able to or thinking that you're not able to go and do that to all of a sudden you realize that you can and you are actually doing it, and that transformation is very concrete. Um, you know, and that 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 is one that I, I think a lot of people out there do get behind, and the people in your group are definitely trying to accomplish that.
0: Oh, so I see what you're saying. So not necessarily saying this is the one way that you can earn an income while you're or this is not the one way to earn an income to go hit the road because there's a million different ways to do that but necessarily here's the roadmap and here's what you need to know in order to make it happen?
1: Yeah, there. I mean, there are a ton of different ways that you can earn money in a portable way. Uh, I think what brings people together in this space is the fact that we aspire to go out and travel full time in the RV. And, uh, and and making that transition and getting out of that societal trap of the nine to five is something that a lot of people look up to and want to accomplish. Now, in your case, especially with a podcast, you're in a position where you, can't, well, you can kind of be the curator of all these different ways of potentially doing that. And there are multiple. I mean, I, I come at it from the blogging type of Space, but there's a lot of other pe- other ways to do it that are perfectly valid, and especially with a podcast, you can be a curator for all those things, and which is basically what you're doing with your podcast.
0: It's it's intimidating. I think for me, if I'm looking at being able to go travel full time, and this was a few years ago, I had just graduated from college. I was working in software sales. And I remember like I remember scrolling through my Instagram looking at all these people who are traveling full time in truck campers and stuff and camping in these exotic places and I remember thinking to myself first of all screw these guys because how, what are they doing <laughs> like they're young they're taking advent they're taking photos and part of me is, is wishing that they were a trust fund kid because then I wouldn't have a a good reason for doing it. you know I'd have an excuse saying oh I didn't get in here I didn't inherit a bunch of money I can't go do that yeah. But but then when you dig deeper, you realize that uh, that some of these people have started intentionally crafting these lives for themselves. And you and you start being able to come up with less and less excuses for it being it being not possible. And so I think that was one of the first realizations that I had that totally changed my mind. And that was once we hit the road and that was to realize that it is possible. And this it's not it's not too good to be true. Uh, and oh, yeah. um, and I'll it, also, i also go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I think it's even more possible than people think. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of people who've seen me with the RV and they automatically they will ask me some question that are kind of alluding to how much it cost. And they're and they're thinking that I have spent like a million dollars on that thing. And I'm like, no, not even close. You know, I'm, I'm also I tend to, to recommend people not buy a brand new one. That's just my own personal opinion, because it makes it a lot more financially feasible to buy it. They're not as expensive as some people think they are.
0: Totally. Yeah. We bought our first rig for 11,500 and you guys yeah. bought a 96, we bought a 94. So I think that's a great way to go into it. You know, not great.
1: Yeah. as, as long as you're not, you know, that you you're willing to deal with things that come up, which we had very few things come up on ours. I mean, I think all in, I was in about fifteen thousand dollars on that thing. That's after I repaired a couple of things. That thing was golden. We we, we use that <laughs> thing a lot, so it's 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 just not as expensive as people think.
0: Yeah, and if, and you'll have just as much, if not more, issues when you buy a brand new rig. I can say that from experience. Now after we bought a <laughs> newer rig, and yeah, so it won't it won't add any less stress if you buy a newer one versus older one, people just might think that you're more rich, but yeah, pretty much you probably will just have higher payments and you'll be poor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: What is success in this lifestyle look like for you, David? I mean, growing a blog and do you want to do this forever when the kids are older and they grow up? What do you hope that by choosing this type of business to be in your impact can be?
1: Right now, I mean, my impact right now, if I had to put the bird's eye view of what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to enable people to be able to not feel forced to live in society's template um, of go to college, rack up a massive amount of debt and then you know, work in a nine-to-five cubicle situation. So that's you know, and whether they choose to do that in an RV or not, that's really what I'm looking to do. Is you know, people can can lifestyle design. Um, and and do I want to keep doing this? I mean yeah, I do I, I well can I guarantee that I'll always be doing it like blog marketing Academy? I mean, not necessarily I mean the internet changes so fast right uh, I, I, there could be whole new technologies in 10 years that we don't even see coming uh, but the general gist of what I like to do is exactly that because that's my motivation I I, the only time I ever sat in a cubicle was in a co-op program in college. It was working for Citibank and it was for about five months. And I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do that ever again. (laughs) Uh, and I haven't had a job since I graduated college.
0: Man, I, that's awesome. And. I'm in Austin this week, and me and some friends decided to up and uh, go film a mini documentary this week, and I've completely bit off way more than I can chew. (laughs) But if you've been following the news, Uber and Lyft, the ride-sharing services, shut down in Austin, Texas this week. Yeah, I heard about it. And it was Sunday afternoon, and I said, you know what, over, and my best friend James is a driver, and he's also a filmmaker, so he drives for Lyft and Uber to make some extra cash when his clients haven't paid him, and... I was saying, you know, 10,000 people are out of a job this week. What if we decided to go out and film, you know, a five to seven minute mini documentary this week covering what happens whenever something so ingrained in our community just totally up and leaves? And he said, that sounds like a great idea. He texted his producer and business partner. Ashley, Ashley, and she was she was pumped about it. And for the past few, and we and started Sunday. Later that day, we went out and filmed a bunch of drivers on a rainy street, which is a popular street in Austin. We woke up at 4 a.m. and filmed the apps shutting off, so all the cars disappearing from the app at four or five a, at five a.m. when they shut off from Lyft. Wow! Yeah. And then uh, we ended up getting all of the major city council members and influential tech people from the community to be in our documentary somehow, super last minute, and just hustled to to make that happen. And I say all that to say it was it was cool that we were able to up and just have the bandwidth to go and work on a project like that. Um, Yeah, because I think that when you're in some type when I was if I wouldn't have been able to do that when I was working at software sales. Mm-hmm, and to mm-hmm. be able to just accept new projects as they come in and, and be able to like intentionally create. And the other component to that is we've been working out of a uh, co-working space here in downtown, Austin, in downtown Austin. And it also affirmed to me the reason why we decided to leave in the first place, which was whenever you're working in this type of environment, everyone is heads down all day, just chugging Red Bulls, you know, working all the time. <laughs> no one's taking yeah. breaks. And it just promotes this mentality of exhaustion and burnout. And yep. I know people say that, but it's so true. And just being there this week, I'm exhausted. I and I, if you can hear the bird chirping, I'm outside on the lake right now in Austin, at 30 minutes outside of downtown, where Alyssa and I park our RV when we're here in town. And it's the complete opposite of what I've experienced all this week because we've been downtown working on this documentary. And it just is a great reminder for why I decided to, to choose this life. Because I don't believe that you have to, you know, work in a co-working space and get venture capital to to go and be successful. Even if you do want to start a technology company or whatever you want to do, I think you're, yeah, you're trying it a ton to of do, different ways. Yeah, and it seems like you're trying to do. You know, share the same thing with people that there is not one way to to make it happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean that 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 template that I was just talking about is very very strong, and a lot of people feel like going outside of that is risky, that they're losing their security blanket and all this stuff. And it's it's all self-imposed. I mean, I even have uh, this issue with my wife. I mean, it's not she she's exposed to me. So she's kind of got her foot, you know, one foot in both camps. But part of her, the way she was raised definitely feels that way. (laughs) And so I can totally see both sides of it right here inside my own family. But it's not. It's very much self-imposed that idea that we have to go that route; otherwise, life cannot be secure and 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 flourish.
0: Yeah, it's almost easy to not ever question that belief because it's so ingrained into who we are. It's like yeah. the it's like the belief that we have to have a family or have to have kids and have to also own a house. And don't get me wrong, I want kids, but after we were traveling for the, for a little while, I realized I I just had this thought one day we were traveling around. I don't remember where we were but I just remember thinking I can see how people don't have kids Mm -hmm. and as I've always wanted to have a big family or so I thought, but I realized that for the first time I'd had my first original thought when it came to that, because my whole life, I just, it was more or less expected of me. Mm -hmm. But then I, but then I questioned that, I guess, ingrained belief that I had about having kids, because now that I'm traveling, I see, wow, this is really fun. A lot of autonomy that we're having right now. You know, it's really cool to be able to go and travel and you a lot of that gets taken away, but I know there's also a lot of joys with, with having kids as well. And so I,
1: yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've got, I mean, don't, don't think that that thought never occurred to me, (laughs) but we, you know, we've got two and it definitely does change the ability to, uh, you know, the flexibility. I mean, it definitely does. Um, And like I said earlier, their school is one reason why we are not full timing right now. Um, It'd be a lot more, you know, a lot more flexibility if that wasn't the case. But at the same time, I will also say that having, especially a larger RV now, it's it's mainly because of them. I mean, there is no better way to travel when you're a family than an RV. I totally agree. I've I've done the whole car thing, and you know, stopping at Mickey D's on your way to somewhere, it blows. I hate doing that.
0: (laughs) No, I agree. Yeah, you feel you feel terrible, and I. And I say this all the time, and I'm, I''m I'm hoping that people don't get annoyed like Alyssa does because I, I know Alyssa whenever I say the same thing over and over again, and I probably have will will have already done this on this podcast. <laughs> but I mean, when you have your RV, it's also the food is one situation. so you don't have to you know pay for going to eat out meals when you're traveling. but yeah. also you every day that you wake up you're in the same comfortable place that you were even if you've left different cities or different states even. And and until you open the door, open the window, you don't even acknowledge the fact that you're in a different place. And when you're in a hotel room, it's so impersonal. You get this feeling of you're out of you're out of your boundaries, you're out of your element. And when you're in an RV, you're in your element all the time, at least for most people.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the way that I feel. I mean, I've I've been in quiet areas of maine with the rv last summer and we're going to be doing it again this summer we're actually going to be staying right next to manhattan island for three nights so it's uh, you know regardless you'd be in the most urban place or out in the middle of nothing and your surroundings are pretty much the same when you're inside
0: where are you guys are you guys staying at liberty harbor rv park
1: We are. We did last summer, and we're going to be there again for a few days.
0: Nice. We stayed there when we went to New York City a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's nice. I mean, it's basically a parking lot with electric hookups, but, I mean, you can't beat the location.
0: Yeah, oh, man, we could see the Statue of Liberty outside our window, and it's the coolest thing ever.
1: Yeah, and we took the bikes uh, over there. Liberty, the uh, state park there, is just a beautiful place to have a bike.
0: Oh, yeah, we didn't have bikes. That would have been cool. I mean, it's 80 bucks a night for parking there, but you get to walk out on the docks and you get to look at the Manhattan skyline. And there's not many kind of RV parks with that view.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they've got um, basically a monopoly over it. And I think they know that.
0: (laughs) But yeah, most people don't know that you can camp in New York City. I mean, it's technically Jersey, and I wouldn't advertise that. But you're pretty much it's pretty much New York City.
1: Oh yeah, I mean one subway ride, you're there.
0: I'm sure a local would have other opinions on that, but anyway, <laughs> I want to going back to the the whole building a profitable blog thing. I want to dig into some of the more details. So if somebody's listening to this thing, you know, I want to try to figure out how I can serve people. First of all, I would say. What was a what is the first thing that they need to figure out that transformation that they want to help people with
1: yeah, um I mean a lot of it starts from within It's like what are you able to deliver upon and and sometimes when people feel like they don't know what that could be, then I usually ask them, do you know anybody who could potentially uh you know who who has expertise that they can deliver uh that you could potentially work with because there's always a partnership idea. Um, But, you know, even if you're not looking to go like, I'm going to make an online course, because a lot of people do that and it's great, but not everybody can see themselves doing it. Even if you're looking to do this using, you know, affiliate stuff or, or physical products, if you're still oriented around a market where the people are looking to you know, achieve some after state and make it that transformation. It's just, just going to make it a lot simpler because otherwise you just have a very casual interest. You're just kind of dealing with link bait and that type of stuff. And there's, it's, you can get traffic, but it's not going to monetize as easily.
0: Yeah. And you don't build that long term trust that you can take to other projects, right?
1: Yeah. That's correct as well. I mean, it's like, you know, if I went and started some celebrity blog, I could probably get traffic to it. But I mean, what good does that do me in the long term?
0: Yeah. And so, from the time that you start a blog, say from Blog Marketing Academy, you had already built up a successful blog, but for the average person that you see that you work with, what does that time look like from the time you start a blog? So you could start in basket weaving, you could start in fishing. I mean, there's endless topics, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are, are saturated, but you know, the cream rise to the top, I guess you could say. I don't know if that's a, the the right term, but... You, yeah. know, you know, if you do really well, you can succeed at it and you can run it from anywhere and you can make it profitable. So what does that time look like from the time that you launch a blog to the time that you're actually making some type of income? What needs to happen during that phase?
1: It, it, you need to do it in a strategic way. Uh, and whereas most bloggers don't. And that's why the most people, most of them are not making that much money. They, most bloggers will tend to just write and write and write and write and kind of cross their fingers and hope Google recognizes them and it somehow works out. Uh, and, And you know, which is a way to go, but it's got a much higher failure rate. Um, The way to do it is if if you're looking to do this um, for business purposes is to be thinking in terms of of building assets and then leveraging your time. Uh, What I usually say at the beginning is write content, but only get maybe five or 10 posts in the system to start off with, but make them like truly like, Awesome! Like, like, put more time into them. It's they're often called pillar posts, but see, I, but just like on a building where the pillars help hold it up, these posts are going to be like that. These are the posts that you're going to you're going to spend a lot more time promoting and telling people about, about than you're going to spend creating them. It's like so your, they need to,
0: your flagship content, right? Yeah,
1: and it's so that after you've gotten that done, you can go into promotion and marketing mode, and you're going to be spending a lot more time out there networking with people, uh, things like that. But you also need to be, if if you don't want this to take forever, you need to be willing to put a little bit of money at the problem. And we're not talking about a huge amount, but I'm, I'm talking about Facebook ads and promoted tweets and that type of thing, because we want to be able to, in a controlled way, put our best stuff in front of the right audiences and bring them over to our property and then have them something to do. And so when they get to this pillar post, they should be able to opt into our list, uh, potentially see something for sale. But, you know, a lot of people don't have that right at the beginning, and that's fine. But at the very least, get them on your email list and give them what I call a lead magnet to get onto the list. Because if you're going to pay, you don't want it to be totally for nothing. You don't want them to come to your site and just bounce. You want there to be something that you can leverage it later.
0: What are are the biggest hiccups and challenges that people will face during this time? Because I think we're... A lot of times we're working under the assumption that people have actually built up the skill level to be a good writer, a good communicator, uh, and things like that. So obviously there's there's other components that are working in this period as well. And so we're kind of working under the assumption that if you want to try to build a profitable blog, that you have worked on honing that craft of being a good writer and good communicator, at least t- from a basic level, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that you will get better the more you do it. I mean. As- Practice makes perfect. It's a you know old saying, but very very true. The other thing I usually tell people is that blogging does not have to be writing. I mean, you can you go and create content in the way which is most natural to you. If you're good at video, do video. If you're good at podcasting, do that. Um, I, some people can talk really well, but then if they go and they're looking at the written word, they just completely paralyze. Uh, I've, I've recommended to some people just speak out your blog post and have somebody transcribe it for you and, and clean it. Up. I mean, there's lots of ways to do it. It doesn't have to be where you have to become a pro writer.
0: Are you kind of a guy that likes to write stuff down, just typing it out content wise?
1: I, yeah. I mean, I've been writing a long time. So I, you know, I, I can write out a three or four thousand word post. And you for some people would think that that just took a year, but no, I, I got it done before lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I mean, it's still, I've been doing this a really long time. Yeah.
0: And how much how often you're you're doing a post a week now but for for other people uh would you say that it's more about consistency showing up a lot or is it more about just having long form content possibly that people can really dig into that's extremely valuable, evergreen as people say?
1: I, I lean toward posting less often, but just making them count because, in, uh, you know, there's the old uh, 80-20 rule, which is, you know, uh, 80% of your results are going to come from 20% of your effort. Uh, and it definitely applies to blogging. And I think what a lot of bloggers do is they spend 80% of their time making, just creating more and more content. But they only get about 20% result because of it. And I think if they flip that on its head and spend maybe 20% of their time creating content and the rest just doing outreach just to get the word out and do you know things to get people over to your site, then the, the, you'll get more legs on the site.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's waves you're hearing in the background soothing. Ah, no, (laughs) once you, once you have actually written, you know, your five pillars of content and you're out promoting it and you've got some type of email incentive to get people to sign up like a free three, seven day course or a ebook or, or whatever, or a PDF of page of tips that are in relation to your, to your audience. Uh, what's next? Like how, like, do you go about building a product? Do you keep writing more blog posts?
1: Yeah. I mean, generally, uh, the, everything that I teach at the Black Marketing Academy is based around the funnel concept. And it, so the, the first step of that is the lead magnet, which is basically just to get them to onto the list. Ideally, right after that, you're going to have your first offer. Uh, would be where you should go and why it's so important to have everything based around this transformation, because why is anybody going to buy anything if they're not looking to accomplish something, you know? So right after they opt in that they they just raise their hand says, yes, I'm interested in hearing from you or getting something from you. It's a perfect time to present to them something that they can buy. And you certainly don't do it in a sleazy yellow highlighter way like a lot of Internet marketers have done. It can be totally cool if they don't want it, whatever, but present it to them and um and then it's a matter of tweaking these two things that that lead magnet and that offer until you get the the conversion rates at a, at a level that you're happy with because at the end of the day you have to get um a matching between your product and your market and once you've got that it's so much simpler to to grow your business it's so, it's a lot less guesswork but at the beginning you're going to have to be able to run a predictable um, volume of people through this thing, which is why I I say Facebook ads is the best way to do it. And you're going to be making some tweaks to to that offer and that lead magnet until you get people converting.
0: A lot of the ways that I've seen a lot of travel blogs get up and start making income is through Amazon affiliate. And they're always Mm -hmm. depressed when they realize that like nine cents for somebody buying something and them getting that kickback is not going to keep them afloat. So what would you recommend as far as content is it going back to what you're most comfortable with i mean as far as an ebook or a course and also what could potentially be relevant to your audience
1: in terms of what product to make
0: yeah in terms of what product yeah. to make
1: yeah i mean it's uh, usually when people are doing amazon affiliate links it, it, and relying on that is because they're not aligned around a transformation um, and, you know, the RV market is a great one. I mean, I've got RV Family Travel right now, the dot uh, com, and I am not aligned around transformation because right now I'm not doing that with business ambitions. So there's a few Amazon affiliate links, but I'm like, whatever. Um, the But orienting it around the transformation, if I it would it would basically fall back on blog marketing economy I mean, in my case, honestly, because it's, you know, the transformation would probably be. You can't full-time in an RV. On the other end, you can. And if if you choose to do that, that would be the transformation. So in, in anybody's case who has that blog, look at affiliate links as a profit addition But don't look at it as the only thing that you can do. You should look at what is it, what transformation are you serving and how can you enable people to do that? And if if it's by way of affiliate products, that's great. But generally, if it's a good transformation, there's going to be something that you could create for them. And that really is the best way to go. And it also could be a service. I mean, I'm not saying everything's got to be an information product. It could be something where you offer a done for you service and your blog sells that.
0: Totally, so you're actually creating some type of product.
1: Yeah, a product or a service. Yeah. I mean, be, be a real business. I mean, there's no business out there that doesn't solve somebody's problem via a product or a service. It's just business 101. So just think of that with your blog and don't think that it somehow is exempt from the laws of business.
0: Yeah, so if you're trying to figure out how you can make a profitable blog, follow David's advice, write down five to seven things that you It's hard to say that, though, because nobody's an expert. I mean, most people aren't an expert in five to seven things. So, I mean, think about what you could potentially help people with. And this could even be something that you eventually, I guess, research over time, you know, that you're becoming more of an expert. And so you are the person who is saying, hey, I'm not an expert, but I'm going out and trying to do this. A good example of that is there's a podcast called The the Amazing Seller Podcast, and it's this Mm -hmm. guy who – uh, he wanted to learn how to do Amazon fulfillment, so white labeling products on Amazon, buying them from China, relabel, putting, creating his own logo, and reselling them on Amazon. And he was really upfront with people. He's like, I'm not an expert in this, but I'm going to document what I learned along the way. And, you know, you can follow my progress. And then when he started doing really well with his Amazon fulfillment, he kind of did become the expert because it's like, hey, he's went through that process and I want to go through it, too. So you can do- you don't have to necessarily be the expert. Right. That's right from the beginning.
1: Totally. I mean, in that case, he has the transformation. He's just traveling it in publicly, which is totally fine.
0: Yeah. You don't have to start off and claim you're an expert if you're not an expert and you should never do that.
1: No, not, no, <laughs> there's so many people in the make money space who do, and, I, and it always bugs me. But, yeah. um, you know, the other thing, too, when it comes to creating those pillar posts, you know, if you're coming in there and you're saying, I'm not an expert, but you see that this topic is one that would be very uh, a, a good material for a pillar post, realize that you can also curate a blog post. You can buy, you can make one hell of a resource post where your primary thing that you're doing is is bringing a bunch of other awesome resources into one post, and you ob- you do link out to every single one of these people, uh, you know, obviously attribute it. You can embed videos, make it a multimedia experience, and make one hell of a blog post where you are essentially adding commentary to other people's stuff.
0: Absolutely. Well David, this has been awesome man. I've gotten a lot of value out of this conversation so I know that a lot of other people have as well. Where can people find you?
1: Well, I guess I got two places you could find me right now. If you're interested <laughs> in the RV stuff, that would be rvfamilytravel.com. It's a brand new site, so it's, you know, I, I'm still working things out there. But my big place and it has everything to do with blogging would be blogmarketingacademy.com. So if you're looking to, you know, do all the stuff that I just mentioned, that would be the best place to start.
0: Awesome, David. Well, thanks for taking the time and joining me on the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Hey, guys, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. If you want to check out any of the links mentioned in the show, head on over to heathpaget.com forward slash episode 16. That's episode spelled out and then number 16. And you can find all the show notes, all the links, and everything we talked about on the podcast today with David over there. Also, if you haven't left a review for the RV Entrepreneur podcast, I would love to hear from you in iTunes seriously, each review helps more people find the show. Whenever somebody Googles or looks in iTunes for podcasts related to travel or camping or RVing or making income on the road and they find the podcast, the first thing that you typically do is you check out the reviews and see how are other people enjoying it. And it's super easy to do in iTunes. It just takes 30 seconds. So if you just go to iTunes, search the RV Entrepreneur podcast, and then click ratings and reviews, you can do that really quickly. And I would be so appreciative if you did. And the last thing, next week, I'm kicking off a new series interviewing female solo travelers in RVs. Who also run some kind of freelance business while they're on the road. I don't think it's literally possible to niche down more than this, but if you have any other ideas, I'm totally open to that. The first interview in the series is with a girl named Jill, who has been driving her RV in Vespa full-time all over the country the past several years while running a business out of her rig. Our interview was a blast to record, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. I'll see you all next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.